So this morning, church, we finally hear in this passage that you just heard read, we finally actually begin to see Jesus start to come to a close in this long Sermon on the Mount we've been in. And we know that because from here on out, I want you to know Jesus is going to begin to close his sermon with a handful of examples of two contrasting options we have concerning everything he said. Two contrasting options. Meaning here this morning, Jesus will talk about how there's only two ways or two paths to respond to everything he said. And then in the next passage, Jesus will talk about how people respond to him with being two types of trees in his analogy. And then in the passage after that, Jesus will talk about only two different real types of confessions or beliefs that people can have about him. With some people even saying, Lord, Lord, and not even being genuine. We'll talk about that. And then finally, to end this whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will famously give the two different foundations that you can build your life on. Meaning, you can build your life on the sand or famously on the rock of following Jesus. And so that's where Jesus is going. And quickly, I bring that up because that does mean for us that really then Jesus wants us to know that when you boil everything down, after all he said, there really is only two options. Two options. We may think that there's a ton of options, such as this or that religion, or accepting that part of Christianity and denying this part, or just sort of following Jesus or things like that. But in the end, Jesus back then and Jesus to us today, he wants to be so clear. When all is said and done in our lives and in in this world, there will be one great dividing line separating only the two options that there are. And what are those options for us? Well, first is, is genuinely knowing and following Jesus, right? The Son of God, the King, the Savior, God with us. Well, then second, the other option is just not. It's, it's that simple. And, and so anyway, so that's how Jesus is concluding his sermon here at large. But that then brings us to our passage here this morning, where we're only going to be in Jesus' first example of those two options. And again, this is where he talks about those two ways or two paths that we can travel on as we live our lives. And as you heard in the scripture reading, very simply, Jesus says here that path number one, as we're going to talk about, is wide and easy and it leads to destruction and it's followed by many. While the other path, the path of genuinely knowing and following Jesus, is the narrow and hard path, which leads to life, but it is followed by few. And hearing that, on the one hand, understanding Jesus' words in a way on this passage are pretty easy, and we will talk about them more because it's interesting. But in basic, I bet you can agree, understanding Jesus' words here this morning isn't so confusing. But church, what is confusing is actually understanding what Jesus means here. (laughs) What Jesus means and how it applies to you and me and our Christianity and our lives. And I say that because just think with me for a minute for how we might hear these words from Jesus about these two ways and we might understand what his words are saying and yet we still might get Jesus totally wrong. Totally wrong. Because first, for example, we may hear, right, that the true and right way is the narrow and hard way. And then we might immediately think that if that's true, then that must mean that Jesus now is all of a sudden making our Christianity and salvation dependent on our difficult obedience. But if that were so, then think about it. Jesus would basically then be skipping past his salvation that he's here accomplishing. And he'd now be teaching that our salvation depends on us which in the Bible over and over is not the case. 
Or for another example, we might hear that the way is hard and then think that Jesus must be implying that to become a Christian, it's something that requires a lot of hard work on our part or something like that. But again, if that were true, then the gospel of being really saved by faith in Jesus alone would be totally changed. Or finally, we might hear that the way is hard and then kind of start to think that Christianity is really just all about following certain rules. But that, that's not the case either. Right? More examples could be given, but, but the point is, really, I, I do think for many of us, and, and for myself included, we immediately hear this from Jesus about this hard way, and we automatically then go to a place in our minds that Jesus never intended. Or specifically, we hear that what Jesus says here, and we all of a sudden start to think that Christianity is kind of just another typical religion where Jesus, our God here, is simply telling us what to do, and that we have to follow him good enough to be okay. But let me tell you from the outset, church, that's not what Jesus is meaning here. He isn't changing the good news. He isn't going against the gospel of grace at all. And we will talk about why that is for a few reasons this morning, especially as we go elsewhere in Matthew to prove it. But in short, again, from the outset, we all do need to know Jesus isn't going against the gospel of grace here. Or, or really think of it this way. He isn't going against the truth that he's the only savior here. But that then brings us to the question, though, of, but what does Jesus, the Savior and King, then mean here in this section? What is he actually warning about? Or to say it another way, in what way is Christianity hard? In what way isn't it hard? And really, that is our main question this morning. Because again, we all need to know that it's Jesus who said this here. He's the one who said that being a genuine follower of him is, in a sense, narrow and hard and followed by few. But again, what does Jesus actually mean by that? And what doesn't Jesus mean? And how does it apply to our lives and how we think of Jesus? Well, that's all what we're going to be talking about together this morning. But that's, uh, that then brings us, though, to our outline for how we'll do that, for how we'll talk about all that. So that's our main question. And really, that's our one overarching goal together this morning, to see how Christianity is and isn't hard. But in order to get there, we're going to have three sections this morning, three sections which will all build upon one another. First, we're just going to spend some time in verses 13 and 14. We're going to make sure we really see what Jesus says and warns about in this passage. And for that, we'll basically just be zooming in on these important words and phrases that Jesus decides to use here. And so we'll do that first, which then second will lead us to spend some time asking, but what about the gospel though? Because I've said to you that this doesn't contradict the gospel, but, but you should wonder why that is. And so for our second section, we'll, we'll actually compare what Jesus says here in verses 13 and 14 to what Jesus says elsewhere in Matthew 11, where he clearly says, as you might know, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so we'll go there in our second section to compare it to our passage here, which then finally in our third and last section will lead us back to these two verses. We'll finally then, after everything we've seen, we'll be able to understand what Jesus is actually saying here in these two verses. We'll be able to understand what his warning is and how it applies to our lives. All right, so in summary, three sections all building on one another. First, just looking closely at Jesus' words themselves here. Second, Matthew 11, and looking at how this connects to the true gospel of grace. And then third and finally, after all that, we will be able to all answer. So what is Jesus saying here? What's his warning? Or again, how is and how isn't Christianity hard? 
But all of a sudden, let's then begin with our first section together this morning, church. And here, we're going to be in all verses 13 and 14, and we're just going to zoom in on what Jesus says here in this passage. And for this, we're first just actually going to read the first sentence of verse 13, the first sentence. Because quickly, as you can see in this paragraph, Jesus first gives a five-word command, and then after that, he gives all his reasoning for the command in the rest of the verses. And so for us, we're just going to start in the command. So look down at your Bibles to start, just the beginning of verse 13. Jesus commands, enter by the narrow gate. So stop there because that's the command from Jesus here. And and we will talk about that narrow idea later, but for now, we need to know that that command to enter from Jesus is actually quite significant. Because that is the same word that Jesus himself uses a couple times elsewhere in the Sermon on the Mount to talk about entering his kingdom meaning coming to truly know him and be saved and be in God's kingdom. And and that said, that then means that what Jesus is talking about here, if you think about it, what he's commanding here is he's basically starting by telling us to make sure that we're in the kingdom of God, which, as we know by this time in the book of Matthew, means to make sure that we know Jesus the king, right, and trust Jesus the king. And so that's the command from Jesus, to essentially come in, to enter into his kingdom. But, but, but what does that mean? Or what does that really look like? Or why is the gate into this kingdom narrow? Well, that now brings us to the rest of verses 13 and 14, where Jesus gives his reasoning behind all this. So now look down, we're going to read all of verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So most of us in here have probably heard this passage a few times before. But let's now just really take a minute and notice everything that Jesus our Lord says here. And we'll look at these just one verse at a time. So first, in verse 13, right after his initial command to enter by the narrow gate, Jesus then immediately talks about the opposite gate. Which first is wide, right, meaning not narrow. And then Jesus adds to this gate picture, this idea of there being a way or a road inside the gate. And as for this first road, he says it's, it's easy. And then he makes it clear that this road eventually leads somewhere. And where does it lead? Well, sadly, to destruction. Which then finally brings Jesus to tell us, that since this gate is so wide and this road is so easy, this is the road that many will and that many still do enter by. Right, so that's, that's obviously verse 13. And hearing that, you can sense that is obviously supposed to be a warning to us. There is a big, wide gate which has an easy road in it. And because of that, so many people are walking it. And all that sounds fine and great, but Jesus says that road actually is going to destruction. And Jesus doesn't want that for you and me. Right, so that's verse 13. But what's then the opposite option? Well, now focus your eyes on verse 14 again. Verse 14, because now there's another gate, but this one is narrow as opposed to wide. And then Jesus talks about that inside this gate, there's another way, another road, but this road is now hard as opposed to easy. And this is the road traveled by few instead of many, and yet as for this road, this road does not lead to destruction, but it leads to life. And then finally, notice a little unexpected difference here comes from Jesus. So remember, Jesus technically said in verse 13 that those who enter by the wide gate are many. You see that? But now notice at the end of verse 14, he says that those who find this narrow gate are few. You see, that's an interesting change. Enter by and then find. 
And out of all the differences and contrasts that Jesus makes here, that little change is definitely the most unexpected and unique. But I think Jesus says it because think about it. It is much easier, church, to enter by a gate that you naturally already know about. Right? Especially if that gate's wide and that road you know is easily followed by most people. But it's even more difficult to have to find the narrow gate first. And so by Jesus saying find like that, I think he's basically making this latter option and this road to life even more difficult. But all it said, so that is these verses here from Jesus. That's what Jesus says. And I know we haven't really explained what Jesus means by all that, all that yet, but for now, just in our first section, I just want us all to see that clearly for ourselves. Because one last time, let's just be super, super clear. Jesus is commanding each of us to enter by the narrow gate. But that narrow gate is, well, it's narrow. And it's got a road in it that's hard and we must find it. Meaning it's not obvious and, and, and only few people go there. But then on the other hand, there is another option. And it's a wide gate, which is an easier road, which many people walk down by. And those are the two options. But again, what's importantly the end result of those two options? Well, one leads to destruction, which just on that for a second, to be clear, just so you know, in the Bible, the word for destruction here does not mean total non-existence. Rather, it's a word that really means ruin or loss or really, most, most specifically, this word destruction in the original language comes from this idea of unloosing or unraveling. And so there's an easy, wide way that leads to that. But then as for the other narrow way that needs to be found, and as hard as it is, church, it's the only one that leads to life. And quickly, let's just be clear on that word as well, because like destruction in the Bible, I hope you know, doesn't just mean non-existence. So we all need to know that Jesus' word life here doesn't just mean existence either. And quickly, this is really important, because I think that we sometimes hear that this Jesus' way leads to life, and even we as Christians can kind of just then think that the final goal is to just keep existing and living on. But church, I hope you know that's not fully it. And in fact, think about it. If we were to just live on like, like this with our sinful bodies and minds in this life that we currently know, that wouldn't be so great. Right? We all know that. But that's why rather than life only meaning existence, instead, the idea of life, really in the Old Testament, especially from Jesus and his apostles in the New Testament, like eternal life, it's a really positive term, which is describing true life, vitality, as it was always meant to be, like God himself, who, remember, is the source of life. And so all that said, that's our first section, just what Jesus says. And really, that's then what's at stake in these verses for you and me. But that now leads us now more briefly in our second section to now follow that up and ask, okay, so there's two roads and we have to enter by the narrow gate and walk on the harder road of life to life. But what about the gospel then though? Right? The good news that we're saved and secure and loved by trusting in what Jesus did alone. What about that? And, and if you're tracking, you should probably sort of be feeling a tension with that and what Jesus says here. Because, because we as Christians clearly know and we believe because God's word says it so many other places that the good news of Jesus is that we are broken and sinful and yet God the Father sent his son and Jesus did what needed to be done in his life, death, and resurrection to rescue us. Right? To, to give us true and eternal life. And we're told we receive all that by trusting Jesus alone, by faith alone. 
Or, or we could say that another way, that we can say that we know that the gospel isn't about us working hard for God or making sure we keep good on the path enough to be on God's side. Instead, it is about us embracing Jesus and what he did and having peace in him. And yeah, again, at first glance, that may seem contrary to what Jesus says here. Because we talked about to open this message. We may hear Jesus talk about the narrow gate and especially the hard way and assume he's now just giving us typical religion where we have to be working hard enough to obey God to earn the end result of life. But again, that's not what Jesus is saying. And now to prove that, to prove that, actually turn with me now to Matthew eleven twenty-seven through 30. I really encourage you to do so. It's about five pages probably to the right in your Bible. Matthew, Matthew 11, 27 through 30, because we're going to be here for our whole second section this morning. Matthew eleven twenty-seven through 30. So we'll eventually get here as a church sometime in our series on the book of Matthew, and we'll probably spend a whole week on these when we get there. But for now, it is good for us this morning to see this, because this is only four chapters later, and Jesus is going to teach us this. And we're actually just going to start in verse 27 to begin. So look down. We're starting verse 27 because we usually read verses 28 through 30. But verse 27 gives us the context of which Jesus says this. So look at verse 27 to begin. Jesus says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So stop there for now. And this is a really fascinating verse because Jesus talks about how the Father has handed all things over to him, the Son. And specifically, Jesus here is talking about the triune God's sovereignty in revealing himself in salvation. As Jesus is basically saying, no one knows the Father or the Son unless the Son chooses to reveal him. You see that? That's just what Jesus says. Which then, though, if we're following Jesus, could beg the question, though, okay, Jesus, so you must re reveal yourself to people but Jesus, when you do that, when you do reveal yourself to someone, what do you reveal? I mean, what, what do you show that you're like? And think about it. If we only had our passage about the narrow and hard way from Matthew 7 this morning, we might say, well, what Jesus first reveals about himself, what he reveals about himself is that he's really hard and difficult and narrow. But that's actually not true of Jesus nor of the Father. In some senses, the way that we walk as we follow Jesus is like that, as we're going to talk about in our third section. But as for our God, as for Jesus himself, listen to what Jesus now says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Look down at your Bibles. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so th this, is, this is huge, and we all need to make sure we get this. So in our passage, in Matthew 7 this morning, there is a wide and easy way that leads to destruction while following Jesus is the narrow and hard way. But also, Jesus himself, here in Matthew 11, tells us that as for him, and even as for following him in a sense, if we do come to him, he gives us rest. And when we take his yoke upon ourselves, which is a symbol, right, like an ox wearing a yoke, when we do that, yet in another sense, it isn't ultimately hard or difficult, but instead, as Jesus says, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And why? 
Well, really, it's all because of who Jesus, our Savior King, is. And who is he? What is he like? Well, we'll now notice he emphatically says in the middle of these verses, quote, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And now, more, of course, could be said on all that. But in short, I do think that those verses from Jesus then are actually crucial to keep in mind as we seek to understand what he means in our passage this morning in Matthew 7. Because in brief, Matthew 11 here then is more of an obvious gospel text for us, right? It's it's something we're more used to. And now we don't want to and we can't take Matthew 11 and then use it to disregard Matthew 7, right? And Jesus' talk about his narrow and hard way. But what we can do and honestly what we must do is now we know that whatever Jesus is getting at in our passage here in Matthew 7, he isn't contradicting the gospel, He isn't contradicting what he's about to say to us later in Matthew 11 about his easy yoke and his light burden. Or to say it most simply, and again, we really all need to get this, the hard and narrow way isn't that Jesus is difficult or that Jesus is harsh or that this is just typical religion now where we have to burden ourselves to win God's favor. It, It can't be that. Jesus knows that's not true life. That's not the way to peace and rest. Instead, the way is hard and narrow in a sense, but also the gospel church is still true. We do come to Jesus by faith alone. We trust Jesus all because he's our savior. We're not the savior because he's gentle and lowly in heart and because in him, not in our works, not in ourselves, in him we find rest for our souls. Okay, so that's, that's our second section, asking what about the gospel, though. But that finally all brings us, then, to our third and last section, our third and last section. And for this, now, if you're not back there, turn with me back to Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And so, church, this is where all this has been leading. So we come to Jesus, we follow Jesus, and then the gospel, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He alone is the king and the savior. But what, then, is he talking about here in verses 13 and 14? What's his warning? Or to ask it again with our main question in mind, in what way is and what way isn't Christianity hard? Here's where it all comes together. So the gospel in mind, now look at verses 13 and 14 again. We might look at it differently. Verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So, so how do we understand all this? Well, well, here's what Jesus is saying. And to be clear, what we're about to talk about isn't some clever way of getting around the difficulty here. Rather, this really has been, I think, the right Christian interpretation because of what Jesus himself and God's word says elsewhere. And so, and so what is Jesus saying? How is Christianity narrow and hard like this? Well, simply put, it's this. Brothers and sisters, in this broken world that we live in, there are many hardships as we follow Jesus. And overall, with our sinful hearts still in us, sometimes it is hard to continue to genuinely trust and keep trusting the easy way of Jesus. Really, that's it. Or to say it in a fuller way, because of our sin in us, which naturally still, even as Christians, makes us want to turn away from God, and because you and I are in a broken world which still in so many ways rebels against God, Plus, because there are genuine evil forces against us, the truth is that Jesus himself and his gospel are, in a sense, ultimately easy. His burden is light. Following Jesus' church is what we were originally made and designed for. But, 
because of our sin and because of this world and because evil in and around us still in many ways, the easier option often sometimes isn't to follow Jesus. But it's just to follow the wide way, right? The way that everyone else is walking. And overall, in many ways, it is just easier for us in the way we are, in the world we live, it's easier to just not really care about the gospel and to ultimately, in our hearts, not truly embrace Jesus. That's the point. And that, that's then the answer to how Christianity is hard. Hear me out. Christianity is not hard in that we have to do a lot to be okay with God. We don't. The gospel of us coming to Jesus by grace and faith alone is true. But remember, Jesus is so, or because remember, Jesus, when he reveals himself, his yoke is easy, his burning is light. But church, actually believing that, and not just in name, but genuine in your heart, in this world with our sin is hard. And it's hard because, now think, let's look specifically at what Jesus says in verse 13 again here. Uh, verse 13 and 14. Christianity is hard, according to Jesus here, in at least four ways. Four ways. Number one, because in our world, really trusting Jesus, I hope you know, is the narrow option. The narrow option. There's, there's so many other wide ways you can live for li your life, right? You can live for so many things like money or sex or fame or power. Or you can live just with your goal to have a decent family or your career, just being a decent guy or political issues, anything like that. There's so many other ways you can live your life. But living for Jesus is deciding that he alone is most important and he above all is your trust and your hope. And so Christianity is hard because it is the, a narrow option. And then number two, Christianity is hard because all the other options often sometimes do seem easier. They seem easier because we still like sin and because we naturally in many ways don't like God. And not only that, but just so you know, this word hard here in verse 14 from Jesus is also a Greek word that can be talking about hardship or persecution. And that's helpful to know because that means not only is not really following Jesus sometimes easier, but when we do follow Jesus, there will be hardships. Internal hardships, external hardships, and Jesus knows that. And in fact, in the book of Acts, Jesus' early followers may have even had Jesus' statement here in mind when they told the early churches, quote, Acts 14.22, quote, strengthening the souls of the disciples, and they encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And so Christianity is hard because of internal and external hardships. And then continuing on, number three, Christianity is hard because the majority of people, the many, go the way of not Jesus. So many people really don't love and want to follow Jesus. And to be so clear here, Jesus is not talking about, and we're not talking about just being religious here. Because back then and still today, hope you know, the majority of the people in the world are religious. Instead, he is talking about really knowing and loving him. Most, most people don't do that. And many people don't want to make that real life change because it's just kind of more comfortable not to. It's easier to be more normal just like most everyone else. And so Christianity is hard. Number one, it's a narrower option. Number two, because of internal, external hardships. Number three, because really following Jesus is the less traveled road, but, but that's not even all. Because finally, number four, and perhaps most profound of all, Christianity is hard because while it's easy to enter in by the wide gate, yeah, I hope you know, it really honestly does take a miracle to find the narrow gate. 
takes a miracle to find the narrow gate. And we say that because, again, notice how Jesus goes from the word enter in verse 13 to find in verse 14. And that's because we, we can't merely enter in. Instead, we also need to find this gate. Or, remember, Jesus said this in Matthew 11 to us. We need him to reveal himself to us. And quickly, in case you're hearing that and you think, it can't be true. This is actually what Jesus says to his apostle Peter later on in this book of Matthew in chapter 16 when Peter first confesses Jesus to be the Christ. You might know this. Hear this from Matthew 16. So this is passage. You know, Jesus is famously asking his disciples, so who do you say that I am? And Peter right away responds with, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But then what does Jesus say right away in response to Peter? Matthew 16, 17, quote, and Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, Jesus is clear. It took the Father revealing Jesus to Peter. It took a miracle like that for Peter to find the narrow gate, for Peter to genuinely know who Jesus is. And so in summary, all that said, once again, Christianity is hard. There's so many other wide options. Number one. Number two, those options seem easier to us often in our sin with hardships. Number three, so many people are going the way of not living for Jesus. Number four, because it implies that trusting and knowing Jesus takes a miracle. It does. And so in all of those senses, church, Christianity is hard. But brothers and sisters, that said, do you know what isn't hard? Well, actually, Jesus himself. And even in a sense, what isn't hard is that when we really do follow Jesus, his way has hardships, yes, but overall and abundantly, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And really, his way alone is the one that leads to life and the rest for our souls that the whole world is looking for. And that's why finally, I, I do think that this talk about these two ways here from Jesus this morning, it is a warning but also, I think Jesus kind of wants us to see the irony in this as well. The irony of these two ways. And I, see, I say that because think about why would, and today still, why do so many people choose the wide gate and the easy path? Well, because it's wide and it's easy and because it's most natural and comfortable in so many ways. And, 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 and people just assume that since it's like that, it's going to be what's best for them. Right? It's the one that takes less change, less admitting of sin, and it just makes sense to us to live for ourselves. Right? So that's the road that more is traveled on because people essentially think it's the one that is best for them. And honestly, you may be here this morning and you, you might know that you're kind of in that group. You may think that the road of not deeply trusting Jesus, that that life is what's going to lead to your truest self or, or real vitality or just what's best for your individual life. But the, uh, the sad and the ironic thing is it isn't, right, at all. Instead, what is? Well, the narrow and the hard and the less traveled way. That is the road which, yes, at first glance, seems like the worst option. Right, the less good for you life option because the gate is so much narrower and because it's hard in some ways and because I need to find it and because less people are going down there. But the truth is, the, the divine flip of the script, if you will, is that yes, a lot of that is true. But, but once we are on that road, there are hardships absolutely and it's difficult sometimes to trust Jesus. But also, that is the only road where we know the living God is our Father. 
It is the only road where we're loved and secure forever and know Jesus. It's the only road where we experience God-given peace and true rest for our souls. Or as Jesus ends with here, it's the only road where we have true life. Now and literally forever. And so that's our passage from Jesus Church. And again, as we now opened with, as we opened with, I do hope that now each one of us could confidently answer from God's word how Christianity is, but also how it isn't hard. It's hard in that trusting Jesus, genuinely hardship, sin can be difficult, but Christianity isn't hard in that we have to earn it. Rather, I hope you know we really are saved by the loving kindness of our God, Father, Son, Spirit, and following Jesus is the only way to true rest for our souls. Which brings us to one last thing for this morning. One last thing. Or really this is just one last Bible verse. And I I really love this. And I actually didn't know this connection of these verses I'm about to share until this week when I was studying all this. Once I read about it, I, I really do love it. And I think that you'll see everything from Jesus here comes even to clearer view once we know this connection. And so as for what I'm talking about, so there's a verse in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, a pretty famous verse, where the psalmist actually combines the idea of way or road or path with the idea of God-given life. Way and true life or a path of life. And in fact, in this psalm, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's actually the same exact two Greek words that Jesus uses here for way or road and then for life. And that means, if you're tracking, it means that Jesus himself, many people think, might have been referencing this Old Testament verse when he said these pretty intense verses here in Matthew 7, 13, and 14. And as you'll see, knowing that is fascinating. It's fascinating because while Matthew 7, 13, and 14 here are a warning, and they sound pretty intense, now hear this from Psalm 16:11. So remember, Jesus has been talking about the way and the path leading to life that's, yes, narrow, hard, and few find it, but what's he ultimately thinking of? What is this path of life he wants for us? Hear this, Psalm 16:11. quote, You, Lord, make known to me the path of life. There it is. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. (laughs) Let Let me say that again. Remember, Jesus is talking about a hard, difficult, narrow road and the way to life, the path of life in Matthew 7. But what, what is he thinking of? What's he talking about? You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And think about it. When you consider that Jesus really might have had that in mind when he spoke about these two ways or two paths. It really does show us the fuller picture of what Jesus wants to communicate to us. Right? Because one last time, church, let's be clear, we have to hear Matthew 7 here as a warning to us. And that does mean for each of us, we must right now make this personal because as Jesus says, the command for you and for me is to enter by the narrow gate. There is no other way to life. And along with that, let's be super clear, there is another option. There's a wider way of living for yourself, your career, your family, or being a decent person or political issues or anything else. That's the path followed by many and it is in many ways easier. But what's the other option? What's the path of life? Well, yes, there's a path that's narrow and yes, it's got hardships and yes, it's less, it's less followed, but also it's the path of Jesus' easy yoke, his light burden, rest for our souls. And it's the path, as Psalm 16 now says, and perhaps most climactic of all, this path of life, literally, I hope you know this, is eventually, quote, 
in God's presence there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's life. And really think about it. Jesus knows that and that's then why he's lovingly warning us this morning. You see that? He, he loves us and he wants what's best for us. Which, which finally then for all of us, that's then what we meet, must ask ourselves and each decide, are we on this path of life? And so as we come to a close, just make sure you ask yourself that. Ask yourself, do I genuinely know Jesus? Have I personally embraced his gospel? Have I entered in and am I traveling on this road with Jesus? Or am I honestly still living for myself or for anything really but Jesus? Is Jesus' warning so clear? Many actually are not with him. And to be crystal clear, he's even going to talk about many who in verses 21 through 23 coming up. Many who aren't really with him, we even confess him to be Lord, Lord. So, so we really each have to check ourselves here. Asking, do I really personally trust Jesus? But brother or sister in Christ, take heart. If you do trust in Jesus, if you love him and his gospel, then you can know by God's grace you are on the path of life. Right? And on that path, there's difficulties. Yes, it can feel narrow. But right now on the path, be encouraged. You have Jesus on your side. You have God's spirit with you. You have a father who loves you. We have one another as brothers and sisters in Christ on this path together. But not only that, once again, take heart at the end of this path. We as Jesus' people will be with our God together. We will be changed and perfected. We will have true eternal life on a renewed earth, better than we can ever imagine. And then because of this Jesus and because of the life he's given us in God's presence, we will experience fullness of joy and happiness forevermore. Amen? Amen, let's pray.